give a special shout out. We got a special guest tonight. Make some noise for DJ A and what's happening tonight, y'all. On August 28, 2009, Adam Michael DJ A.M. Goldstein was found dead in his ritzy Manhattan condo. It was less than a year after he crashed on a private jet and barely survived. So what made the record scratch? This week on Death, 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 Death and Entertainment. Death, Death, Death and Entertainment. Live from Los Angeles. 911, what is your emergency? Here in Hollywood now. Two counts of murder, injury, and death. Oh my God! Shocking new details that has stunned the entertainment world. Um, this makes me a little nervous. The hair stood up on my arms. Just like in the movies. Ah! What do you call this thing, anyway? Death in entertainment. Hello, hello, hello. Oh my God. Oh my dear. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the 21st episode of Death and Entertainment. It's already 20. We can drink. Our podcast can now drink. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> um, we made it. Yeah. And uh, my name's Mark Mulcarin. I'm, I'm Kyle Plouffe. And I guess I'm Alejandro Dowling. And we're drinking because we're legal, motherfuckers. Hey. Hey. Did you, <laughs> did you think we would make it past 20? No. No. I didn't think 20 and a half we'd make. Past, yeah. Here we are. Here we are. We're New still week. doing. New dipod. Still going strong. Yes. Crushing it. Uh-huh. We're animals. Rawr. Woof. Whoa, that was a little too much bobcat going on yeah, there. Yeah, Not the good one. Not the good one. That sounded like Pee Wee had sex with yeah, Christopher I Walken. I don't do a good bobcat, but I, I, I love. <laughs> hey guys, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I used to love Bobcat Goldthwait. I tried to do the voice as a kid because I loved those Police Academy movies. Oh, I remember yeah. when three came out? And they were all, I think that was the one in Miami when they're all coming back to Miami and they all had like jet skis and boats and stuff. I had chills. Like, <laughs> I felt goosebumps on my arm as a nine year old boy. <laughs> it was really like, emotionally connected. I'm like, this is filmmaking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he spoke to you. Yeah, they did. The Police Academy movies really did speak to me, especially the guy that could do all the, the noises with Michael Winslow. Yeah, he was the best. Yeah. <laughs> and what about the movie Hot to Trot? I like that one too. With that, the horse. Yeah, with Bobcat is uh he's a stockbroker and there's a horse who <laughs> who also becomes a stockbroker is just a regular horse or he, but he could talk. He could talk. Yeah. Uh, not to rip off Mr. Ed or it anything. It sounds like a blatant, re- but they reference it. Like they, he, the the horse is watching Mr. Ed in the movie. Oh, we got Dabney Coleman in there. Yeah, we got John Candy, Gilbert Gottfried, Dabney Coleman with fake buck teeth. By the way, <laughs> wait for this role or yes. just when he starts sporting them? No, for this role, I don't recall him in any other movie with ridiculous fake buck. Uh, are teeth. they required? Are they like Matt Dillon and something about Mary? Like uh, they just he gets tricked into getting them or something? You know what? I you really watch don't remember okay. this movie very well. I thought Mark. you just didn't want to spoil it for me. Don't <laughs> no. worry about spoiling Fox to tr- the Hot po- to Fox. The poster has Hot Bobcat to chat. and a horse in a suit at a desk. Yeah, <laughs> this is every other eighties movie. And you're glossing over Dabney Coleman up in the top corner. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. With there the he is. Teeth. 
his head is on the wall like a deer on the poster. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. Didn't you just see it? Well, you, I didn't know what it was going on. Oh, with that. I was just trying to describe what you're looking at. Yeah, <laughs> not anything special. <laughs> There's no behind the scenes stuff here. No. Uh, I just can't see or read. Yeah. Well, you know, we take what we can get with Kyle here. That's um, right. But uh, yeah, so you guys want to get down into this dirtiness? Here? Let's do it. So this one takes us to August 28th, 2009. Okay. 2009. The 28th of August. <laughs> this week... The top movies were number three, Halloween 2. Hmm. Not the one with Jamie Lee Curtis. No stars really except for... Is this for the one Buster, with Buster Rhymes? Malcolm McDowell. Oh, okay. No, Is this a Robert Zombie one? Yes. Yeah. And you're thinking of Halloween Resurrection. And H2O or oh, H2.0 yeah, yeah. or something. Yeah, those were all early 2000s. Yeah. Late 90s. And this one had Malcolm McDowell in the role of Dr. Loomis. Yes. You remember Malcolm McDowell from the SNL episode where he played John Lennon? Of course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's the only place I know him from. Yes. Yoko goes loco for my cocaine. Oh, yeah. That was the worst thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I don't know. Kyle's laugh is pretty hearty. Yeah. <laughs> thinking about it. It's so stupid. It's a fun wordplay. And number two at the box office, Inglorious Bastards, Quentin Tarantino. Wow. I liked it. I thought it was good. Yeah. But Halloween 2 would be... Oh, wait. Halloween 2 is not ahead of it. It's below it. We're number three was Halloween okay, 2. Okay, I get yeah. that. And two We're working up is Inglorious yeah. Bastards. Here we go. All right. That's that makes how sense. it works, yeah. Kyle. All right. So far, it makes sense. Two is better than three. That's right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let's get the dry erase board out here and start working this out. Yeah, and... With uh, Inglorious Bastards, Christoph Waltz is the one that made the big splash. Yes. Yeah. They tried to make more out of him, and then he, then he turned out to be. You know, they tried to, like, put him in TV shows. and Really? Kind of, what yeah. What TV show? I don't know. He was in some TV show. I forget now, but... He's a good villain. He is. Yeah, yeah. that's kind of his role, and I think he tried to get out... He tried he to do became comedy. became a Bond villain Yeah. Yes. after that. Recently. Yeah. Yes. He did, however, win a second Oscar for playing a good guy in another Tarantino film, Django Unchained. Oh. Yeah. And he, he had won the Oscar already for playing the villain in Inglorious Bastards. <sighs> wow. Tarantino. So he needs to go kiss Tarantino's feet. <laughs> a lot of people do that. <laughs> Give know. him a taste of his own medicine. <laughs> <laughs> Get the feet. Yeah, a lot of people shine in Tarantino's movies. You know what movie uh, Christoph Waltz wasn't? Downsizing what? the first and second half. Oh, that's oh right. you're right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As a comedy role, yeah. So <laughs> Mark's baiting me. We don't need, <laughs> we don't need to get into it too far, but I told Mark and Kyle once that I thought the first half of the movie Downsizing was the best movie ever made. Was good. <laughs> was interesting. And then it really jumps off a cliff in the yeah. second half. Yeah. So that's about all that needs to be said about that. Fair. Yeah. He Not, said the Godfather is no first half of downsizing. Yeah, I first half of down, yeah. Quote. AFI top number one list <laughs> is uh the first half of downsizing. <laughs> Something like that. It is better than the Godfather Part Three. <laughs> oh, Any yeah. half of that one. Yeah. yeah. So number one at the box office this week, the final destination. The not to be confused with another movie called Final Destination. Yeah. 
which came this out. was the fourth entry. <laughs> yeah. So they just went back to calling it Final Destination. The again? Final Destination. The. What the? Fuck? They added the word the. Yeah. Add the the. It's cleaner. Yeah. And around the same time for the Fast and Furious franchise, they took out the word the for the fourth one. Oh, really? Mind blowing, isn't it? Why did they do that? I don't even know. what What is the deal with that? I don't know. It's not that they're like, we're really uh, proud of this movie. <laughs> and yeah. we uh, we changed the title up a little bit from another one we did. Gotcha. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> they think the moviegoers are stupid. So someone's just going to be like, oh, the Final Destination. Because if it said Final Destination 4, yeah. then that person might think like, oh, I don't want to go see some sequel. Yeah. Once you get up to 4 territory, everyone knows yeah. that it's not going to be a good version of that movie. Yeah. Right. You get to see David Koechner get thrown off a bridge. Oh, in really? This one, yeah. He got a DUI recently. <laughs> Did he drive off a bridge? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> poor David Koechner. Yeah, poor guy. We, I'm uh, a fan. Yeah, we're the, we love him here at the Die Pod. And the Keck fifth heads. sequel to Final Destination was just called The Final. The Final. Yeah. Oh my god! I watched a couple of them. Through I the... made that up. Oh, way. you you could have said anything right there. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Kyle's got David Kettner's <laughs> mugshot. This. This oh my god! This is exactly a month ago. This was exactly on New Year's Eve. Oh my! god. He looks like he's giving it to him. Like he's screaming <laughs> at him. Do you know who the fuck? Kapil Brashke. That's yeah. what he's yelling. <laughs> as far as mugshots go, it's pretty solid. Yeah, that's oh. a great mugshot. That looks like one of his characters' mugshots. Yeah, a Will Ferrell. Yeah, you know, comedy. Yeah. like cut for time thing from yeah. from old school or something from Anchorman Three. Yeah, <laughs> I hope you're doing better, David Kettner. Yes, and Shut on up. August twenty eighth, two thousand nine, uh, there was a movie called Big Fan. It was a Pat Oswalt vehicle. Oh my god, <laughs> I remember this movie. Where he he was such a huge fan of this uh, athlete that when he saw him at a nightclub, he went up to go talk to him, and the guy beat the shit out of him for like rushing his VIP section. Based on a true story or something, or something like that. Could I be, think it was yeah. a Mets fan or something. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, good movie. It was a good movie. Yeah. Not to be confused with The Fan with uh, Robert De Niro and Wesley Snipes. Very different thing. Yeah. Or The Fanatic with John Travolta. <laughs> oh, no. That's, That's way different than either of these. <laughs> a, a Fred Durst joint. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with uh, Sawa as uh, the main guy there. Yep. Big Fan actually opened at number 55. $25,000. So... Bloody FM presents Hometown Ghost Stories, a paranormal podcast that investigates a new town every week, bringing you all the hauntings, from haunted houses to castles, bridges to asylums, wandering spirits to demons. Over 100 episodes covering different towns all over the world. Tune in to Hometown Ghost Stories live on YouTube every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern or on any podcast platform and find out if your hometown is haunted. You know, who knew as having, you know, your leading man, Pat Oswalt, you weren't going to make yeah. a, a, a big moneymaker. Well, yeah. it could have opened in uh, one theater. True. Yeah. Let me uh, have it didn't. right here. Big fan. Opened in two theaters. Oh, wow. Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, Boston. Sure. Schomburg. <laughs> there we go. Schomburg. Yeah. No, there were just two theaters in Schomburg. Yeah. <laughs> and a 24 hour fitness. That's their entire business. Yeah. yeah. 
One more thing about David Kettner. Mm-hmm. I used to see him at Ralph's all the time. <laughs> the one in North Hollywood. Yeah. And he was really sunburned. <laughs> no, because there was this really tall guy checking out near me, you know, in the self-checkout. And yeah. I look, I'm like, is that David Kettner? And then my next thought was, boy, he's really sunburned. <laughs> <laughs> he's got steam coming off him. <laughs> yeah, I think he um, I th- he recently got divorced. Maybe not, yeah. not uh, that recently. Maybe, bad yeah. divorce. Yeah. Oof. So she's probably going to use that arrest as fuel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You've never seen those kids again. <laughs> not that we want to <laughs> weigh in on the domestic issues of Let's not go David for, deeper down. I thought we were done with the keck. Let's, uh... I know. I <laughs> unnecessarily brought it back because I wanted to share my fascinating sunburn story. <laughs> okay. So number three on the Billboard charts, Run This Town, Jay-Z, Rihanna, and Kanye West. We gonna run this town tonight. Eh. Okay. Back to David Kettner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I saw him again. <laughs> and Even more sunburned. Yeah. <laughs> in a rash this time. He, he was peeling. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, number two, Party in the USA, Miley Cyrus. Hell yeah. Party in the USA. Yep. It's not a good song. I was quoted in the Boston Globe saying it was my favorite song of the year. <laughs> <laughs> no I'll, shit, really? I'll, I'll find a clip of it. We'll put it on Instagram. I would burn down the Boston Globe headquarters if if I knew that it would get rid of that. Yeah. Any any yeah. historical record of that. Mm-hmm. What would prompt you to say that's the best song of the year? Yeah, like what was the what was, was the question? It was uh <laughs> I was in one of those like Sunday edition like dating things where they hook you up with someone and they send you out to dinner and then you fill out like a questionnaire after okay and we were talking about our love of the song party in the usa so it was very genuine yeah okay yeah if you don't like that song you're a terrorist did it work out with that girl no i don't think so she's married in south carolina right now with some kids and they're not mine as far as i know whoa (laughs) i mean it worked out for her oh yeah yeah for sure yeah so i'm gonna go right to the number one song let's do it And it is a song we have talked about before. Okay. Mr. Dabalina? A couple of times. Yeah, Mr. Dabalina. We cannot shake this song. I got a feeling the black eyed peas. Oh, it's yeah. gonna be a good Yeah, night. how this did we do another die like around this time or yeah. something? Yeah. I think so. We must have. Do you remember? Not offhand. Brittany Murphy died in two thousand nine. Oh yeah, Brittany and I Murphy. That was probably it a, was still yeah. on the charts months yeah. later. Imagine Monjack dancing out to that. God, well, yeah, <laughs> Jesus. At the wedding. Yeah. Oh, God. Hi, Brittany. I love the song. I love you. They're all popping pills to this song. Oh, yeah. This is like in the house. guzzling fucking oxycodone. <laughs> That's how shitty this year was, though. That song was on the charts the entire time, it seems like. Yeah. Well, this is like the beginning of the destruction of this country, let's be honest. And I yeah. think that's good. That It's a good marker <laughs> for this to be a number one song. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so uh, early life and career of the, the late, great DJ AM. Um, so he was born Adam Michael Goldstein, like I said, in he was born in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh, Philly. Philly. Yeah, he was a Philly kid. Um, he was born on March 20th, 1973. His parents, Andrea and Herbert, 
split up before uh, he was born because his mom caught Herbert in an affair with another man. Oh, no way. Yeah. In flagrante. Herbert. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> yeah, God. They were in flagrante. That's a callback <laughs> to another episode. which The oh, Natalie the, Wood. Natalie episode. Wood, yeah. Wow. Robert Wagner was. We yeah, someone it. used that term that you quoted. From. I, it was Robert Wagner that, that came up with in flagrante? Or? No, I was paraphrasing from the biography. Oh, yeah. gotcha. Natalie gotcha. Wood. And okay. you two were like, what's in flagrante? <laughs> yeah, it was a whole thing. I was not expecting a double in flagrante today. Yeah. I, I think he, the dad, uh, Herbert, was bisexual, and he was just kind of going back and forth with uh, the Literally. wife. Yeah, hello. Um, <laughs> with the, the wife, the family, and some other, you know, various men. Okay. Um, so what happened was Andrea then decided the mom had her own affair. She's like, fuck this. I'm going to get in flagrante myself. I'm going to bang a guy. Yeah. Yeah. And she's going <laughs> to bang a guy or a woman. Yeah. Well, yeah. And then she actually did. And then uh, her and Herbert were never allowed to have kids. They, they're. What, what do you mean, not allowed to have kids? I'm, I'm sorry. Some judge was like, you two are a complete disaster. <laughs> I totally disaster. fucked that up. Yo, put, <laughs> the judge puts handcuffs on his balls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a big X in flagrante, X order given to them. He super glues his penis <laughs> yeah. to his leg. No, I'm sorry. They were not able. able. They were not able. Oh, is this, God. Is this communist China? Yeah. <laughs> God did not allow <laughs> You can only have one DJ kid. <laughs> yeah, God. <laughs> Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Jeez. Christ. Um, so, yeah. That Andrea wanted a kid, wasn't able to have one. They first adopted Adam's older sister, so they had mm. they had one daughter, and then Andrea goes off and has an affair with a guy, and she actually gets knocked up by this guy. Wow. So I think Herbert is, is shooting blanks. Yeah. So he's not. I think it's obviously him. That's uh, that's the issue with them too, not have, able to have kids. Wow. So uh, he came back to them for a while. And when she was pregnant, her plan was just to have, um, say, all right, it's your baby, uh, Adam Goldstein. And, uh, you know, this is just yours. And, you know, it just ha- it just worked out for us this time. We're having a son. And then she actually got really pissed off at, at Herbert because he, he was uh, in flagrante again with another guy. Really? So he's just like kind of, you know, up to his own shenanigans when she's pregnant. <laughs> and she just kind of gives it to him and says, oh, yeah, by the way, this isn't your kid. Oof. That I'm having and about to give birth to. So the the dad, wow. her, so Herbert's always, he's always kind of like held it against DJ AM or Adam, whatever we're calling him. So he's always like been a complete dick. And Herbert is a piece of work. Herbert is like a cokehead in front of his son all the time. He smokes weed and stuff. And he's just like a, he's a piece of shit. He's a bad dad. He's a bad dad. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's, uh, that's safe to say. And I, who's Adam's dad then? I don't know that that was not available. Okay, just a random, just guy a random that she dude that with. was out of the out of the life. Um, Got it. And I'm wondering if she just really just wanted to have a kid of her own and just kind of you know it wasn't connected to Herbert. Yeah, and just had a random hookup because Herbert was shooting blanks. He couldn't uh, conceive, you know, give her a kid. So she mm-hmm. just decided to go off on her own and have her own kid. I mean, he uh, sounds like a fantastic guy. Why wouldn't he want to spread those genes? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who, Herbert? <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's snorting coke. Why can't we have a baby? <laughs> <laughs> he's keying it up on like... How do you make a, a baby with a guy? He's keying up coke on a gun or something. Why can't we have a baby? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he's got like kind of a crazy home life, obviously. 
Um, he starts like overeating very bad. He like gets like wicked fat by the time he's like 10 years old. He starts drinking at 10 and then starts dabbling in drugs at like 11. Dang. And when he, when he's, when DJ AM is 14, Herbert goes to prison for bank fraud. So that's just the <laughs> cherry on top of him being a dad. Um, yeah, as if he couldn't get any worse, he gets worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just when he thought it couldn't get any worse, Herbert proves he can get worse. Um, so DJ AM, uh, his mom and sister moved to LA at this time. Through everything, I think it seems to me like. Um, he has kind of an okay life based on like the circumstances. Obviously, his cokehead, bank fraud, um, you know, bisexual dad is a, is a piece of work <laughs> and, uh, you know, a barrier to kind of overcome. But overall, I think he goes to L.A. and he seems to. Um, well, I'll, I'll start like at as far as his career goes, he gets really into hip hop when he li- when he's living in Philly around this time. Oh, okay, he gets into like Run DMC, uh, Houdini, Curtis Blow, in the Fat Boys, which I love. Hell because, yeah! So as well as like rock acts like Led Zeppelin, uh, Rick Springfield, New Order, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so he th- these are all inspiration for like you know his later like mixing up music stuff. The Fat Boys, they were the ones that did. The, the movie fat boys Disorderly. Disorderly, right? yeah. yeah. <laughs> Disorderly is such a hilarious movie. That yeah. as a kid I used to love that. Oh movie. yeah, me too. In, in in retrospect, it's so absurd. Like who's the man? Who's the man? Yeah. yeah. A lot of these hip hop movies were just ridiculous, but they made money, I think. Yeah. I guess him and his buddies tried to start a like a Jewish version of DJ Jazzy Jeff and Fresh Prince and Ready Rock C. <laughs> so there was like a there was like a Philly trio of like DJ Jazzy Jeff and his, you know, him and his buddies tried to start their own version of that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when he was like thirteen or fourteen, yeah. so he was like getting super into like being a hip hop star around then. Um, he was a great beatboxer, I guess. He was like kind of Razel or, you know, what, whatever a great beatboxer is. Um, the human beatbox. The human beatbox. Yeah, that's what that's what he was. He got really good at like mixing different genres of music, like rap, rack. Rap, rack. <laughs> Get your rap, like, rack. <laughs> rock, rap, and other musical genres. Fucking Mark. Um <laughs> We yeah. get it. So he moves to LA and he starts going to like good private schools. Um, and like, I think a lot of this helped him like harness his love for and passion for music. But around this time, like around LA in his like later teens, he gets super hardcore into drugs. Yeah. He gets like insanely uh, into drugs. And he already was into drugs, you said, at 11. Yeah. Yeah. He, was, he started young, probably seeing his. You know, Herbert doing cocaine off the gun when he was (laughs) (laughs) off the dildo off the dildo. Whoa, honk, honk off of the neighbor man's ass. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So off to that mailman. (laughs) So he went to good private schools, you said. Yeah. So this family has money. They got some. I don't It could be one of those things where it could be family money. It may be or maybe. Uh, Herbert, you know, before he committed all the bank fraud, you know, he he stuffed some money away for them or something. He successfully robbed a bank before. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. He he got away with some frauds before he got caught, maybe. Because I was imagining a really broken household. Yeah. But if he's going to a nice private school, it might have been a broken household with some money then. I think that the extended family had some money and stuff and they were able to kind of get by. Maybe her 
parents came from money or, okay. you know, or his or something. Yeah. But, you know, it wasn't, it didn't seem like they were living a destitute life or anything where yeah. they're living, living out of hotels or something like money that. Money was coming from somewhere. Somewhere. Well, that's yeah. the thing. That's why so many of these kids who go to private schools get hooked on drugs is because they can afford them. Like there's a lot of poor kids that, you know, yeah, they can find some weed or something, but they're not getting the good stuff. They're not getting the Coke and the pills that the yeah. rich, well-to-do people are being able to afford. Yeah, it's true. There's billionaire kids that you can't even believe they have a heroin problem. Yeah. yeah. Like that Davis guy. What's his name? He Warwick? Was this, no. <laughs> Jason Davis. He was this guy that was at a, like a billion dollars in his family, and he's dead. Oh, he wow. died young oh, shit. from a drug problem. Jeez. Yeah. Well, like like the Kennedy kids, a lot of them, you know, were, were on yeah. drugs bad, especially in the seventies and stuff. But yeah. even a more recent Kennedy girl died in uh, Hyannisport, like last year or something. What? Yeah, crazy. Jeez. Yeah. So it's still it's still out there. But um, oh, the Davis kid actually voiced the big tall guy on the cartoon show Recess. That oh, was his big claim really? to fame. We're going yeah. deeper. Oh, and deeper. Wow. I just thought of that. <laughs> wow. Okay. Let's get back to DJ AM. <laughs> you just had an epiphany. You could, you I did. I felt like sharing that. that yeah, was, that's I, fair. I loved it. Cal was a big fan of that. Um, so he got sent to a very controversial uh, drug rehab place called Straight Incorporated. In this place, it came out later. <laughs> yeah. Straight Incorporated. Straight Incorporated. Welcome. Where everybody is his, straight. Should have sent his dad there. Oh, my God. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Herbert, you're not welcome. <laughs> it, nothing wrong with Herbert, you know. No, I think no. I think he's dealing with a, a lot of his own yeah. stuff, and, it, and he sounds the, great. The bisexual has nothing to do with, of course, you know, not him acting up. Um, <laughs> disclaimer. <laughs> this is a diepod disclaimer. So yeah, so this place is called Straight Incorporated. And it, he went there just to kind of, it's in Florida somewhere, but it was like, it it came out later that they were like torturing teens that were drug addicts and oh stuff. My God. They were like waterboarding kids that like get off of drugs and shit. They were actually waterboarding. Yeah. Yeah. They were like, they, there was like multi-million dollar lawsuits and, you know, it got closed down and stuff. And it's funny before that. George Bush Sr. and Nancy Reagan had praised it during the Just Say No Dare campaign. Uh, so they were like, you know, this is the best place and this is going to save us from the, you know, the horribleness of drug addiction. So straight incorporated is almost like they're like scared straight. Like they'll yeah. fucking beat the shit out of you and scare you out of, yeah. you know, the drug lifestyle. Yeah, they probably shoot guns, uh, you know, <laughs> next to your uh, head. Next to your head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> While you smoke pot or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, take that bong rip. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they throw a grenade off in the corner. <laughs> and they incorporate an electric shock to the genitals. Yeah. yeah. Jesus. So either way, um, this did not work for DJ AM. Not only that, it actually made him worse as far as drug addiction goes. Um, I, I guess things got really bad for him around this time, and he would eventually attempt suicide in 1997. Mm-hmm. Um, after and how th- old was he around there? That's a good question. I think he was like sixteen or something. So in his teen years. Okay. Yeah, no, not even sixteen. Maybe, maybe even. Yeah, I think he, he committed. Su- he tried to commit suicide a couple times. Uh, he would be in his twenties then. He was born uh, March thirtieth, seventy three. So okay. ninety seven would be twenty four. 
24. Okay. okay. Sorry about that. Same yeah. thing. So after the suicide attempt, he got really into AA and uh, started helping others with his with his addiction and stuff, with their addictions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was obviously, he spent like 11 years sober up until the relapse after everything that happened here. Mm. Yeah. So it sounds like straight incorporated obviously messed him up. Yeah. And he took that with him into his 20s. Yeah. And then. Which led to the suicide attempt. Yeah. By the time he was 20, he goes like way off the deep end. <laughs> like if you thought it was bad before, like he's robbing people, he's stealing from his family for crack. Uh, he's struggling with like low paid DJ spots around LA. Like he's barely like making ends meet. He would just get a bunch of drugs and just hang out in a seedy hotel for like days and days and days at a time until all the drugs were gone. God. And it's just like depressing. Even though he was like super fucked up around this time, he met some like future collaborators. He met The Alchemist. I don't know if you ever heard that. Oh, yeah. 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 And then Shifty Shellshock from Crazy Town. Shifty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so they put together that song, Butterfly. You're my that, butterfly. Sugar, come my baby, baby. Come, come my baby. <laughs> so bad. Yeah. AM was involved with that? Yeah, yeah. He helped, He he put together, I think he produced it with them. It's and a. He did some of the music for it. You know, it's a classic song, I think. I think it, yeah, it's catchy, but it's like, it's, it's bad. <laughs> Kyle, do you have an opinion? I love that song. All right. And he did yeah. work on that album. Yeah. Yep. I guess after that, um, things got a little too hairy with um, with the Crazy Town Boys. Who saw that coming? <laughs> <laughs> the name hinted at yeah. such. Um, but yeah, I, I, around this time, again, he put a, uh, I guess he pulled put a gun to his head and he pulled the trigger, but there was no bullets in it. So oh, did I, he think there were bullets? That's in what I wondered. There was there was an interview that uh, a friend told that story, and I would ask the obvious question mm. like, "All right, well, if you have no bullets in a gun and you just pull the trigger, you're not. That's not really a suicide attempt." Maybe he was trying to be funny, like John Eric Hexum. Yeah, well, that, look how that turned out for him. <sighs> yeah, around 2001, he cleaned up, and he started getting clean. Okay. Um, I think he was a couple years clean at this time. So like, I think he was just, his, his career was starting to hit a stride. So he was like clean, I think in like 1999. So as he was, his career was taking off, he also acted a bit more professionally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he started getting better gigs around LA as like a DJ persona. Mm-hmm. Um, the only issue is around this time he was around like 350 pounds. Mm. So he was like, oh, he was like eating like crazy again, like when he was like a teenager and stuff. And like, he just got huge. Yeah. Wow. That's if you see pictures of him, you like, you would not recognize him from like, you know, the later days before he died. That's a lot of weight to carry around. He called himself girth Brooks. <laughs> so he had a sense of humor about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. He was like he was sober, but he was still, you know, putting on some weight. I think just like when you stop doing drugs, you just have to replace it with something. Yeah. And is he DJ AM by this point? Officially? Yeah. Oh, Kyle's got a picture up yeah, of yeah. him heavier. Yeah. yeah. Holding a Nike box. Big dude. Big dude. He thinks it's a box of donuts. Girth Brooks. Yeah. <laughs> Girth Brooks there. Um, what was your question? 
Oh, what? <laughs> oh, with the DJ. Yes. Were, were they actually donuts? Yeah, after my horrible uh, donuts. Yeah, show. he was DJM. I think he started that when he was like a, when he was like in his teens and stuff, calling himself oh, okay. AM. So I think when he created this kind of like big DJ persona, I think uh, AM was, was originally what it was. And I'm not trying to be funny, but was there a DJ PM somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Okay. But that's a good question. That would have been a good collaboration. Um, yes, there is a DJ PM. Mm. And does it say when DJ PM started? No. Okay. Yeah. We won't solve that issue right now. Yeah, we're not going to delve into that right now, but we, we're aware that it's something. So this is like, he's like reaching the pinnacle of, of his success here. Mm -hmm. He's doing very well. Um, he started doing bigger and bigger venues, and he went over to Las Vegas where he became the king of the nightlife. Whoa! DJ AM. So the name actually started working out there. Um, some, right. night, some nights he would get 20K to spin at a club. That's so crazy. Yeah. It's pretty good. He started getting so much money, he was able to get gastric bypass surgery. So he got that in which it kind of staples your stomach. Yep. And it like makes you, he lost like half of his weight overnight after he did that. Um, That's he, so extreme. Yeah, I don't know. I I think if you think you have like a serious eating problem and you don't think, yeah. I, I think I do. <laughs> but like, but like everyone, I definitely have that <laughs> <Yeah>. problem. <laughs> I'm feeling like DJ AM before the gastric. Right yeah, now. I think it's just that thing when you're like staying up all night and being a DJ and you're just eating nonstop. I don't, oh I, yeah, yeah. And the addict in him. Yeah, it that's probably it. Switches one drug for another drug. Yeah. You just and can't it's food. stop. Like, I think a lot of people can relate to that, except obviously most of us don't go and get this gastric bypass. Surgery. And also people some people don't go to those insane lengths. No, right. I'm not looking to go like, past three hundred over here. You this know what was I mean? like a quote from when he was doing drugs and stuff, or like how he kind of explained his drug use. He'd say, I'm not like you guys, I'm an addict. If I take one sip of liquor, if I take one hit of a joint, I cannot stop. I will be smoking crack within a week, tops. Wow. And, you know, I don't know. <laughs> like, that's just kind of get insight into his addictive personality there. Mm -hmm. It's just like, it's crazy. Like, yeah. You know, I think if I have like a sip of beer, I'm not going to start smoking crack in a week. I just, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I'm not saying I'm better or anything. I just don't, I don't even know where to get crack. So, so he didn't even drink because of that. Yeah. Yeah, he was, he was cold turkey, him. and that's why I think the food kind of came into play because, you know, that's supposed to be considered. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's not technically a drug, I guess, but he just that's why indulged can be just as dangerous because as humans we need to eat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you're a food addict, it, you have to eat something that yeah. you could be addicted to. Yeah. yeah. And next thing you know, you're eating like five chicken parms at 2 a.m. Yeah. Like... It's never addicted to eating healthy food. It's never. No. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, always yeah, the worst. kale or anything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ooh, look at that. Had a light. Liceberg. Liceberg. I my own job. I don't know if I like this Liceberg. There's too much uh, lice in it. <laughs> look at that. Had an iceberg lettuce over there. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to chop that celery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and let's throw some carrots in that. Yeah. <laughs> what juices, motherfucker? <laughs> I heard an interview with Philip Seymour Hoffman on uh, Fresh Air. Yeah. And he talked about that once where he said he's not interested in having a glass of beer. Yeah. Because he, he's interested in having a case of beer. Yeah. He's not interested in just a, a couple of sips or one can. Yeah. I remember uh, me and my friends, the first time I, I, I realized something like this, me and my friends were like, 
16, 17, we do the Hey Buddies. We're like, hey, can you buy us some beer? Mm-hmm. I remember some guy, uh, he told me, he's like, listen, son, if I if I buy it, I'll drink it, and I, you'll never see me again or something. And it's <laughs> a lot of people that just kind of yeah. like, you know, battling addictions like that. So. Yeah, they know their demons. They know their demons. Um, So, yeah, around this time, you got the gastric bypass, and he's like a skinny dude. He's like a skinny DJ AM world, worldwide superstar DJ. He starts hanging out with Paris and Nikki Hilton, who were still kind of relevant, I guess, around this time in like 2004, 2005. That yeah. was their heyday. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. He did. He starts dating Mandy Moore, who, you know, hey, I think she's beautiful. She is. Uh, he got And a, uh, good actress. Good actress. Yeah. Uh, what was that? That Bible one she was in. Oh, um, Saved. Saved. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Licensed to Wed with. Robin Williams. Yeah. That, uh, yeah. Not so great. Speaking of AFI list. Um, <laughs> and might I add that this was the time before Kim Kardashian. So Paris Hilton ruled yeah, and the she, media world. She kind of passed the baton over to Kim Kardashian. Who's not gonna, willingly, but no, yes. no, they're not happy about that. But who's going to be next? Yeah. Paris Hilton's trying to come back now, though. Yeah. Right? Well, who's going to come out with the next porn star tape? I guess that's the move. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's Well, Hilton was first. Well, Pam well, was first. Pamela yeah, yeah. Anderson, but that was not uh, intentional. Not consensual. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not intentional. But uh, yeah, Paris Hilton was first, and then Kim Kardashian copied that playbook with yep. Ray, J, Ray J. And she just blew past Paris but Hilton. The weird thing about Paris Hilton is that she was already famous when it came out. The one with Kim Kardashian made her famous. Right. So it's like. You think that was the more intentional one? Uh, you think that was a yeah. PR person? Because she doesn't really have any redeeming uh, skills or anything. Mm-hmm. Nor does Paris Hilton. Let's be honest. <laughs> Didn't she have a cooking show that was just canceled on Netflix? It's hot. Remember Which it? one? <laughs> Paris Hilton. Oh, really? Did she call it? It's hot. It's hot. I don't know. <laughs> I Seems just, like a missed opportunity. I yeah. saw that she had a cooking show. <laughs> um. So yeah, DJ Am. He's on Entourage. You got a little bit in that. Mm. And uh, Iron Man Two. He's in for a second. Mm. Gets a big. Deal with Nike. That was where that picture was from. Oh, um, wow. And then at some point, he becomes engaged to Nicole Richie. Hmm. So he's like crushing life right now. Yeah. He's like owning the uh, the 2000s and, you know, whatever. <laughs> All huge. All huge. Um, He's not huge anymore. Yeah. Hello. Basically. Hello. He got the gastric. Sing on. <laughs> <laughs> um, so a very much slimmer. DJ AM starts working with Travis Barker, Blink-182 at some point. They form what's called tra- uh, TRVS-AM, Travis-AM. Travis AM. Yeah, it looks cooler than it, it's set. You can say it. <laughs> okay. I don't know. You, you said it pretty coolly. Oh, thank Mark. you. Yeah. We'll let the listeners decide on that one. Um, they do a lot of shows where Travis just plays the drums and DJ Am would like mix it up with like, you know, groups like I was talking about, like, you know, um, like 80s, like hip hop or or whatever. You know, he kind of felt like mixing up with uh, with the drumming of Travis Barker. Mm. Um, and that was his big thing, right? The mashups. Yeah, he was big on the the mashups. I, I think we actually have, we have a piece of it. I think it was a tribute done to kind of give uh, y'all a kind of understanding of, you know, what his music sounded like. And, you know, yeah. if you went to a club where DJ AM was spitting, this is what you would uh, hear. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. DJ AM on the turntables here in Vegas. 
These are the party days. <laughs> it's the motherfucking. Oh, that's good stuff. Oh yeah, that's a good vibe right there. I'm vibing right yeah, now. I'm vibing too. That vibe is out there. I'm I am up out of my chair right now. I'm sucking the vibes out. <laughs> you and Herbert. Go DJ. Yeah, yeah. Herbert's crying in the audience, going crazy with a dildo in his ass. No, he's got he's got a glow stick in his ass. <laughs> Go Herbert! Go Herbert! It's your birthday! It's your birthday! He's he's not your son! He's not your son! He's not your son! Oh boy! Yeah, yeah. This is it's good stuff. So yeah, 2006 summer. Yeah, you're young. You're beautiful. You're fucking yeah. You're in the desert somewhere listening to this song. You're yeah. about to pass out from yeah. bad ecstasy. Yeah. yeah, you're like, this is the best time ever to be alive ever. <laughs> um, so yeah, a lot of stuff like that, but mixed with you know Travis Barker's drums and yeah, they, they put on big screens like crazy visual stuff or like this is like post rave America kind yeah. of, and it's kind of like still has raves, that rave element to right. it, like the early late nineties, early two yeah. thousands would have been the which is what Skrillex kind of right? turned into, I think. Yeah, I, th- I don't even know what Skrillex is, but I think that's what it is. Yeah, it's like a rave. Yeah, it's vibe. having a resurgence, like with all the uh, resurgence, resurgence, whatever. <laughs> yeah. uh, with all tomato, the, tomato. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or not correct in uh, correct with all the. Um, <laughs> With all the EDM festivals and stuff, that's all it is, is like lasers and like robot music. We've been redefining what a rave is since Saturday yeah. Night Fever. You know yeah. what I mean? And Europeans are like, you're still doing that crap? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. The Europeans seem to love the raves the most. <laughs> I They love something. I don't know what they really like anymore. I thought raves were like so done and then we were still doing them. And I don't know what, what's going Rich on. Rich white now. girls love them the most. Let's be honest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Oh Does anyone have any Molly? <laughs> <laughs> you in the VIP? Was someone put a glow stick up my ass? <laughs> Herbert, is that you? Again? Oh yeah, that's me as a, as a young girl. Oh, Sorry, you got me again. I would have got away with it too ah. <laughs> if it wasn't for you meddling raver <laughs> <Yeah>. chicks. <laughs> trying to have fun here, okay? <laughs> I just got out of prison for bank fraud <laughs> for the third time. <laughs> Life sucks. You guys got any coke? <laughs> I've been doing it since I was eight years old. <laughs> I can't get enough of this stuff. <laughs> oh, Herbert. Yeah. Uh, I feel bad going right into this, but... Um, oh, so, boy. Yeah. All right, uh, let's uh, take a deep breath. So him and Travis are traveling around the country doing mm-hmm. a lot of these events where Travis would play the drums, DJ AM would do the mixing up the music, and they'd do these big visuals and stuff. It got bigger and bigger, and like everyone wanted to see it. So like they were selling out venues yeah. all, all over the place doing this stuff. Yeah. And Travis Barker from Blink-182, coming from a really famous, popular band. Yeah. And he was one of those rare drummers that was famous, too, if not the most famous one of the group. Yeah. He he was invited in and then surpassed them in fame, for sure. Yeah. And um, it's rare for a drummer to do that. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, Tommy Lee, maybe. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then him, or remember, like, the, who remember else? the guy from Def Leppard that had one arm? Yeah, but that's the only reason he was that famous. <laughs> I know, you don't know I just his wanted name. wanted to talk about him for yeah. some reason. And you don't know his name. Yeah. He no. was just one arm Joe or do something. Do you know any of the people from Def Leppard, though? Of course not. Okay, no. exactly. No. <laughs> and uh, Lars Ulrich. 
Yeah. Oh, uh, but he was famous for, for being a big asshole. For, yeah, for being a dick and not letting Napster do their thing. Basically, the thing about Napster is uh, it's thievery. Yeah. yeah, I get what an asshole. So yeah, so Travis Barker, <laughs> DJ AM. I can just imagine it is the hottest show. They're bouncing around the, the country. Circuit. They're going yeah. everywhere. They're loving it. Uh, you know, people are, are in demand. Everyone's loving what they're doing. One day, September 19, 2008, they're leaving South Carolina after a gig mm-hmm. in a tire blue on their plane. Mm. Uh, and the pilots tried to stop the liftoff, but it was too late. More pieces of tire were later found on the runway, leading it to believe it was the tire during the liftoff that took the plane down. So it's lifting off and it has this tire issue yeah and so it doesn't even take off really so the tire explodes like sending rubber debris all over the fucking plane a later ntsb investigation would reveal that all the tires were actually faulty and the pressure got too low quickly so if you're not checking the tires like on hour to hour basis you're fucked on this uh, with these tires. So no one was checking these tires. Do you remember Goodyear? Like around like years ago, they were like all the tires like started exploding or something. It or was like it was Firestone. Car Firestone. Oh, those are Firestone. Uh, never yeah. mind. Never mind. I that, thought I was onto something. It was. These were good years for sure. These are good years. Oh. Yeah. Are but, you saying they should have been checked hour to hour because they were faulty or because that's what plane people? Because are they lost to do? pressure way too quickly. Oh no! So, but are they? Is that something you're supposed to check? Every plane for hour to hour? No, no. Okay. It, they should sustain their pressure for like yeah, more than an hour. Right. Like, you know, like. Exactly. Okay. But so really, they should have just put new tires on. Them. Yeah. Pretty much. Okay. Yeah. Well, I have a lot. Uh, I have like the whole rundown of the okay. report here. So let's hit it. So the ch- the the jet shoots off the end of the runway after all four tires exploded. Damn. So the first one exploded, and then the the other three exploded also. As the plane hurled down the runway at 150 miles per hour, the tires exploding only seconds apart, pieces of the tires hurled around at high speeds, and this damaged the plane's hydraulic system. So all the debris from the tires destroy the hydraulic system. (sighs) So that causes the brakes to fail, which, which is not good. And that also damaged the plane's thrust reversers, which can be used to slow the plane down. I don't know if anyone remembers the the movie Flight, but they use all yes. these kind of stuff in order to to finagle the plane to go upside down yeah. and, and not go go down. Or That's a yeah. harrowing sequence in the movie. Great, great movie. Yeah, if I you really, haven't seen that. I good. really love that movie. Yeah. Um, on top of all this stuff, all this bad stuff that happened, the, the pilot only had 35 hours of experience. Oh, my God. 35 hours? Yeah. That's like a, that's a like day, a, a little that's more like than That's not even day. a full week, work week. No. That's like the <laughs> length of one of uh, DJ AM sets. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> no, so they exceeded the speed w- way over uh, where they could actually stop. So they're like... Going 150 miles on the takeoff, and <sighs> it's too far to stop it at that point. And Jeez. after the tires are gone and yeah, all that. No brakes, no nothing, no hydraulics, no reversers. How frightening. Yeah. So it crashes. It kind of goes up and down like twice. Do you have the DJ AM on Larry King where he, where he mm. talks about that? Yeah. Travis Barker. I'm sorry. Obviously, Travis Barker. Yeah. If it was DJ AM, that would be some crazy shit. And you and and Adam live, right? Yeah. Pilots <laughs> died and two other people. You and Adam yeah. live. Was that a mystery? 
Yeah, that question. Larry's like, now, uh, you and Adam lived, right? Is his big thing is winging it and just asking asinine questions? In his head. Yeah. There's a hamster wheel. Yeah. (laughs) Think of the next question. Think of the next question. Like when he asked Seinfeld, like, were you canceled? Yeah. (laughs) Like, he couldn't be bothered. (laughs) We're the biggest TV on the world. To be clear, Travis, you survived, correct? Are you uh, a living person in front of me right now? Because <laughs> I'm a dead person in front of you. And Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah. That was canceled, right? <laughs> Travis is like, I don't know. I've done no research. I don't know anything. I'm, kind of, I'm barely sitting here right now. All yeah. Right, let's, yeah, let's go. And you and, and Adam live, right? Yeah. And pilots died and two other people. Yeah. And Adam, was he burnt too? He, uh, well, when I jumped, I, I caught fire trying to go to the front of the plane to save my two friends and get to the pilots possibly. And I caught fire. I, I basically, um, I, I, you know, get very, very scared and I, I run, I grab Adam. He's passed out. I open the emergency exit. I jump into the jet fuel. Oh. So my whole body is engulfed in flames at this point. Unbelievable. Adam sees me jump into the actual jet jets fuel and melts, become like uh, Blink you know, fully on fire and he jumps around Come and on. follows me and he's literally on his phone calling our manager going our plane crashed like Travis is on fire like he, you know, he's cursing he's yelling and then Good time um, to make that as call. I'm running yeah. uh, you know because the embankment was a highway so someone in a car like people are screaming and they say you know just like what we learn in school like stop drop and roll and and I hear it and I do exactly that. And then the only place Adam got burnt is, you know, my feet were soaked in jet fuel. Man. So he actually patted out my feet and he ended up burning himself on his arm and a little bit on the back of his head. And you had third degree burns, right? I had 65 percent of my body burnt in third degree burns. The pain of burns is terrible, isn't it? It's I was just going to say that. Well, that sounds really painful. painful. I've ever so that hurts. <laughs> How did it feel? <laughs> did yeah, it Larry, yeah, what the fuck, Larry? <laughs> so that, that was uncomfortable, right? <laughs> Not only does he do no homework, he goes out of his way to ask the most asinine yeah. questions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so unfortunately, you know, uh, both of the pilots were burned alive within minutes. God. So the pilots didn't even stand a chance. Uh, and how many people were on this plane? Who was all on this thing? There were six total. Okay. Four died, and two were the pilots. Uh, the other two were two passengers who were with uh, DJ AM and Tom DeLong. Travis Barker. Travis Barker. I'm sorry. Tom, I always say Tom You really DeLong. don't like Travis Barker, huh? You <laughs> no, keep forgetting no. his name. I remember Tom DeLong because he's such a crazy like 9-11 truther or yeah. something. Yeah. <laughs> Aliens exist, guys. Yeah. And Mark Hoppus is the one with cancer right now, right? Uh, he's um, in remission. Good. Yeah. yeah. Great to hear. So the, 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 the people there that were with DJ AM in... Um, and Travis Barker were uh, Charles Still, who I think was the security for Barker. Okay. And then the other person was Chris Baker, who was an assistant to um, to DJ AM. All right. So the pilots were James Bland, 52, and Sarah Lemon, who was 31, from mm. Anaheim Hills, California. And which one was the the main pilot is the one that had 35 She hours. was the one that had 35 hours. Okay. 
and co-pilot was James Bland. So she was the main pilot. So wow. I mean, she had 35 hours. I, I don't know. What the fuck? I, why was that the, the dynamic? I have no idea. Doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. Maybe James Bland was like, I'm only getting paid assistant, you know, co-pilot money. So that's all I'm doing here. So I have a question then. Let's say she had Malcolm Gladwell's 10, recommended hours, yeah, hours yeah, yeah. in this field. She's a little short of 10,000. Could an experienced pilot have saved everybody in this situation where the tires blew out like That's that? what I wonder. If if it could be a flight situation in which... You so know, if they, Denzel they, Washington from flight was the The this. way the NTSB worded it is it was very difficult, but there was a way to not have this happen with all the contributing factors of the tires and everything that happened. Okay. So you could have pulled off something that resembled a better landing. Well, it yeah. sounds like they were going too fast for even a takeoff anyway, because it was not for a takeoff. You could clearly take off going too fast, but to slow down in a safe way, like yeah. you're supposed to maintain a speed that you can uh, be able to stop before the runway ends. Like yeah. make sure everything's yeah. good yeah, before exactly. you... They just got yeah. out of control very quickly. Yeah. I guess a witness who drove up on the crash said they found... Travis and DJ AM trying to douse their clothes from the fire. So people are just driving by on the highway. Mm. They also described the plane as a fireball storming across a five-lane highway until it hit an embankment. So, like, imagine if you're on the fucking highway in South Carolina and this fucking fireball of a private jet just comes by and just kind of slams into an embankment. Did it go all the way across the highway? Yeah. Oh, my God. I didn't realize that. So no cars happened to be crossing at that time? I don't think so. Where it passed. Yeah, I think there was a little bit of debris, but for the most part, it didn't, like, you know. It wasn't a big plane. It was tiny. Right. And so that's where the Travis Barker said people pulled yeah, over and pe- were saying yeah. stop, drop, and roll. Exactly. I guess it later came out that the charter company that operated the plane estimated the last time the pressure in the plane's tires had been checked was three weeks before the the accident. My God. I can't even believe that. Yeah. So this is some private Some fly-by-night, right? literally fly-by-night like yeah. kind of charter company that... You know, they don't care. They got sued to death, and now they're no longer a company. But, yeah, you know, that, that's what happens. You would just like to think that any plane going in the air has to go through really strict, rigid instructions. You'd be surprised how little oh, they actually do all of this stuff. I'm never getting in a private plane no. or a private helicopter. And they feel dangerous anyway. Forget yeah, this it. Is... Oh, shit. The flyer. Yeah. Okay, Kyle's got the footage open Yeah, of the wreckage. It looks nuts. I can't tell if the next to the fire is like old fire or if that's like police lights. New fire. Wow. It looks like a huge fireball. Yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised anybody. How the fuck did they get out of there? And with minimal burns. I know he said 65%. 65. No, but still. But his whole body. How about just walking out of it a skeleton? Yeah. Yeah. Because that's a huge fireball right there. Yeah. And I wasn't being facetious. I just mean. It's huge. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, some people were talking about because they saw it moving. Imagine seeing that, you know, traveling across the highway when you're no. trying to fucking drive down. You're like, yeah. holy fuck, I'm turning around. Did you just see that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I guess what happened is the type of tires that were on the plane lost about 2% of their pressure a day. So if they're not checking, you know, for three weeks or something, they're in bad shape when they're when they're taking off at that moment. 
And before we started recording, you kind of compared it to Tom Brady's footballs. <laughs> yeah. I, there, there's something there. There's some type of comparison there. But, okay. but Tom Brady didn't even deflate his own footballs. Maybe that's why I meant that, because the, the footballs deflate themselves. It's nothing that Tom Brady did. And that was just a make-up call from Roger Goodell, because he was just being a prick. Yep. Agreed. Case closed. <laughs> Close the book on that one. Uh, so, yeah, Travis and uh, DJ Aaron were the only survivors, as Larry King pointed out there. Um, as he clarified. As he clarified. Us. Thank you, Larry. So the family, uh, for all the other ones, settled with the aviation company in Goodyear. So they, they came out with a couple of million bucks. Uh, yeah, but yeah. the caveat to that was that the lawsuit was settled in 2010, a year after his death. Really? So he didn't see a penny of it. Oh, DJ. Well, he didn't need the money. Right. I'll talk about later why he didn't need the money. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It would have been better to have less money, maybe. (laughs) It was crazy. He he took really no time to sit and like kind of contemplate the fact that he almost just died. Mm. He just went right back to fucking work, and like he didn't. I guess some people, some friends would say like he had survivor's guilt and like a lot of people that, you know, survived the Holocaust. And in general, it's just a known kind of thing that happens to people that survive kind of crazy things. But he didn't really deal with it in a good way. Like he just kind of went back to work, which is always the problem with addicts and stuff. So DJ AM basically could get right up the next day kind of thing? Yeah, I think he just had some bandages and stuff. Okay. And like a few weeks later, he went to do a big concert in New York with Jay-Z. Mm-hmm. That but, blows my mind. Yeah, and Jay Z's like, I, I can't do it. Jay Z, like, hell, man, no, that's, that's terrible. <laughs> oh, <Jay-Z. shit. laughs> Don't get us canceled. Oh, <laughs> I'm not Ari Spears, so I can't do a great uh, Jay Z impersonation. But he's like, what are you doing, man? I, he's like, he, I guess Jay Z's like, I assume you're not going to be able to make, you know, the Summer Jam or whatever they call it, it was in New York. It's like a big concert. Mm. He's like, I assume you're not going to make it. And DJ Am's like, no, 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 I'll be there. Uh, you know, I'll figure it out. And then he shows up there with like bandages on his head and stuff. And he's like still recuperating from this horrible accident yeah. and stuff. And just he's, like, weeks later, just weeks later, yeah, less than a month. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I don't, I just don't think he fully processed a crash. And I think like as some drug addicts, you know, they're like work is the best way to get me mm-hmm. through this or something. A distraction. Yeah. Yeah. I heard Travis Barker on Joe Rogan. And might I add that this was a Joe Rogan clip without Uh-oh. use of the now N you're word. Get us canceled here. <laughs> and without any COVID talk. Yeah. So Travis Barker was on there saying at the same time that DJ AM is going back on the road, you know, to play at the concert with Jay Z. Yeah. Travis Barker is going through hell in the hospital. They gave him all these meds yeah. for bipolar disorder. What? For burns? Yeah. And he would wake up randomly and start taking swings at the doctor. He's he's like he seems, was out of it. He yeah. seems like he it. has like a an undercurrent of rage underneath him. Though, yeah, Travis Barker. Yeah, so he was going completely nuts during this time in recovery, and then when he got out of it, he says he decided to give up all drugs and drinking, and really? he didn't even take any painkillers. That that is, I would never go along with that. That's I know what, exactly. Yeah. He but, really was nuts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But like, I, yeah, I didn't really follow, you know, him after the crash. I'm more just kind of focused on DJ Am. So I'm glad you kind of had that yeah. insight into that. It's crazy. The whole Jay Z thing too. Jay Z met him the day before the crash. Really? So they didn't know each other before then. They met before the crash, and he's like, "Oh, you should come do this show." And uh, he's like, "Yeah, sure." And then the next day, uh, Jay Z was at the Palladium in 
LA and then they got the word that they had that huge crash and he's like, oh shit, they survived, but he's definitely not doing the show. And then he called him and was like, no, I'm still doing the show. I don't think he wanted to squander like all, like everything he had worked for. He is just really coming to fruition at this moment. Yeah, exactly. Like not only is he like the biggest DJ, but he's just like a big personality in the world. Yeah. Like yeah. he's like a big mu- music star and he's like, you know, he's being, you know, up there with Jay Z, and mm-hmm. I think he did stuff with um, with Eminem uh, at a later th- thing. Like him and Eminem and Jay Z all got on stage to do something. Everybody wanted to work with yeah. DJ Am, and he's just like you know, he's like the guy at the moment. Yeah, and it just been building up for like five or six years. And he's like, mm-hmm. "Fuck it, I'm not gonna let this crash kind of take me down." After everything, after ah, the yeah. weight loss, after, after Herbert, after Herbert, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's not gonna let it fall apart. Yeah. And also, he's probably afraid, like I said before, to sit around at home and think about how horrible that yeah. experience was. Yeah, I, I don't know. I guess that's a, a way, a idea, or a way of kind of getting through. All, all those bad ideas, like what could have happened and like, you know, just thinking about even flashbacks of the moments of seeing dead pilots or burning mm. alive people or your friends or assistants or whatever. I can't imagine what it's that crazy. is like. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, he was still moving along. Like he had some new model girlfriend who he seemed really into. He was putting together like a documentary about addiction with MTV. Mm-hmm. His outreach was his big thing, and it was called "Gone Too Far," the MTV documentary. And we have a clip of him talking about it. Yeah, okay, let's let's check. It. I'm I'm hoping that what the show will do is is give hope to a family and to show if you know your sister, or your brother, whoever it may be, is acting a certain way, and you know that they're doing drugs. This is the reality of what they're really doing. You know, you get to see it, and then you get to see that there is hope, that there is an answer. I mean, I guess I, I get why they call it post-trauma because it, you know, it, it it was very tough, and it's I have really bad days and I have okay days. You know, it's it's strange, you know. But I mean, I'm blessed. I'm alive. I'm here. And that was just weeks before he died. Oh my god! Yeah, like he was just he kind of just started putting this whole thing together, and um, it seemed helpful. But I, I think what happened, one thing that happened was. In preparing for this, like he went to like a local bodega in New York, and he was able to find a crack pipe like so easily. Ugh. And I think he started telling people, like you know, sober friends or or AA people, like how much he really wanted to use drugs again, like mm. how much he wanted <laughs> wanted to get back into it. And like I think his sponsor and a lot of these people were like, "Dude, just gotta stay away from it." I, I think he started, it started slipping out that he was thinking about, you know, getting back into crack or something like maybe I could just dabble and I'll be fine or something. And that's always like a famous last word or whatever. Yeah, it's not going to work out. Yeah. And I see here that he did have burns all over his body and he was bloody and scarred. Oh, really? Yeah. So he used those few weeks to recover from very serious Jesus burns. Yeah. And to do that uh, without any painkillers or anything is crazy. Whether or not he was totally painkiller free, you know, who knows? Oh, Travis Barker? No, DJ AM. Oh, until the crack situation. He he said he was sober was for clean. 11 years. Yeah. 11 years from 2000, yeah. um, 1998, I guess, to, to 2009. Um, because what happened was, I guess, you know, he came back to New York. He was going to go do some shows in Atlantic City, which is, you know, never a good idea for a sober person to go down (laughs) there. No. Uh, And uh, I guess on, as I said, yeah, uh, 
August 28, 2009, he was found dead in his ritzy Manhattan apartment. Mm. The medical examiner said he was um, a self-described crack addict. Uh, he died from an overdose due to the combined effects of cocaine, oxycodone, Vicodin, Ativan, Clonopin, Xanax, Benadryl, and Levimidazole. Levasimol? A drug used to cut cocaine. Mm. Yeah, I'd never heard of that before. Okay, I have a question. What drug wasn't he on? <laughs> <laughs> I, what if it was the Benadryl that really that might over be the top? faster? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. So the crack is just opened the floodgates. Yeah. Yeah. Turns out he was allergic to antihistamines. Yeah, it was the Benadryl <laughs> that did it. Yeah, the Benadryl. That one Benadryl is like eh, flatline. Jeez. Yeah, I guess he had also had eight undigested oxycontins in his stomach. Wow. And when he died, he was laying on a bag of crack. Jeez. Yeah. In case you were wondering if it was drugs. Yeah. He just makes it real obvious. Yeah. And you said, did you say he thought he earned the ability to use again? Yeah. When he was talking to people about, you know, the possibility of starting to use again, he thought he had earned it from having 11 years of sobriety. Like, or, or Travis said it was 12. Maybe it was 12 years of sobriety. He's like, yeah, I earned this at this point. Oof. To earn the right to do drugs again? Because you haven't done them in so long. That's a crack addict talking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Man. Um, he went on like a 72-hour drug binge at his uh, Manhattan place there. And like everyone was going to his place like, hey, um, you know, they knew what was going on. I think the yeah. word gotten out that he was using drugs again. Mm. And everyone was like knocking on his door, you know, checking with security, trying to get in and stuff in order to like help him out. He kicked everyone out except for his sponsor mm. in the middle of this like crazy drug binge he's on. And then at some point he even kicks the sponsor out. Well, I'd imagine the sponsor was trying to stop him. <laughs> yeah, and that, that, I guess that was a problem there. He's like, you got to go. And yeah, why would you keep the sponsor with you if well, you're if, trying to do all these drugs? Yeah, I mean, he probably was going back and forth. Oh, you mean he was kicking out bad influences? No, no, he was kicking... Like, what happened was... He's in, he, he was squirreled away in his apartment like he used to do in those seedy hotels in L.A. Yeah. He got, a, he got a bunch of drugs, and now he was happy, you know, with his newfound addiction again. Yeah. He wanted to get as many drugs as he never had to, he, you know, he had an unlimited supply because mm -hmm. he had like a million dollars now. So at that point, he's just like, oh, I'll just use these until they're all gone, mm. like he would do when he was younger. Yeah. But now he has so much more money, he can buy so many more drugs, he gets so... The possibilities of dying from that are just so much higher now. Yeah. So he's doing all these drugs there, and all these people that he knows that know he's using again are knocking on his door trying to get him to stop Yeah. Okay. doing all the drugs. And then he kicks everyone out because he wants to go on this drug binge and thinks he earned it and stuff. And then that's he, why I was wondering why he kept the sponsor in the room for a he time. kept us because I think that he knew it was the last possible thing he had to like stay alive. And yeah. I think he even gave that up. Mm. Right. Okay. I don't know. Unless the sponsor was like Michael Jackson's doctor or something. Yeah. What was that? Helping him inject or, you know? Yeah. Give, knows, I don't want to bad mouth the sponsor. So No, yeah, I think the sponsor was trying to do everything they can, but at some point they can't fight him to stop doing drugs. Yeah. You know, they can't physically uh, you know, take all the crack and drugs away from him. You can't. Yeah. No. The sponsor was Conrad Murray. That's the MJ yeah. doctor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd like you to meet my sponsor, Mr. <laughs> Dr. Conrad Murray. Yeah. <laughs> this should go well. Yeah. He's hot off of killing Michael Jackson. Yeah, he was. <laughs> that was a couple months before. Yeah, same year. Yep. Yeah. Oh, was yeah, it? Yeah, that was yeah. June yeah. 2009. <laughs> <laughs> my job is killing celebrities and business is good. 
Okay, so he kicks the sponsor out, and that's and then that that's pretty much the, the death blow death. to say yeah. And um, I guess he had missed a couple flights to Vegas because he, he had big shows coming up, and people are like, "Oh, this isn't good." Yeah, and then the the drug binge just went on for like a week or something. Mm. He almost lived until the full year since the plane crash. Yeah, it was like mm. 11, 11 and a half months. Yeah, wow. like a couple weeks. Yeah, he was thirty six years old and. Wow. See, I had thought it was intentional that he sort of committed suicide. Some say that. Some are saying that. But the, the person who wrote an obituary or um, you know a nice article about him that was like a friend of his said they don't believe that. They, okay. They believe it was just... It, it, I think the official cause of death is an accidental overdose of drugs. And I thought that also because of that anniversary thing, that it was so close. Yeah. But you know what makes me believe that Suicide could be on the table was the eight undigested Oxycontin. You don't take eight no. Oxycontin at a time and think that's going to be like, that's not like a normal dose, even if you're like heavy on right. it. Right. But addicts will take a lot of pills. No, that's true. Like you can build up a tolerance to that yeah. level, but maybe he was already building up a tolerance before that. Who knows? Well, and that list you gave to yeah. is <laughs> to fucking, yeah. you name it. Yeah, yeah. You name it. It's there. It's all downers except for cocaine. I'll I'll read it again. It's cocaine, oxycodone, Vicodin, Ativan, Clonopin, Xanax, Benadryl, and uh, Levimisole, whatever. And the Benadryl. Wow. Don't forget (laughs) that. Crack is just like a crazy thing. That's like for the hardcore people. Yeah. It's even worse than heroin, in my opinion. Mm. It's just like, yeah. You can and, do more damage, certainly, because you're awake. Yeah. Heroin, you at least just go to sleep. Right. <laughs> yeah. You zonk out. Crack, you're like beating people up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're like a menace. Yeah. You're, you're shouting <laughs> politics in the street, <laughs> urinating on the sidewalk. Yeah. yeah. And in some ways, I bet that DJ AM got a thrill from trading that seedy motel room he used to do drugs in with the ritzy apartment. Yeah. His new life of money. I think that's the thing. Like, you know, addicts like that, they love they love having that safety of being in that room and just doing drugs mm-hmm. and being able to look out and like all the craziness going on outside of there and they're they're feeling good. It's like for people that didn't have like a good childhood or something, you know, yeah. They, yeah. that safety that they, they always missed of being comfortable in the crib or comfortable with their parents and they never really felt that because they right. had like insane just, you know, out there parents that they never felt fully comfortable around. Um, yeah. Clearly not in his <laughs> case. Well, Herbert guy's fucking nuts. The mom too, putting him through that. Yeah, I think some parents are just fucking nuts like that. But, you know, I think they had trouble in the, with their yeah. parents and stuff. It just all just bleeds down into, you know, more chaos and stuff. He's an enigma in that sense. Did he come for money? Did he not? Yeah. Why was he in the seedy motel room when he was in a fancy private school the month mm-hmm. before? All these things in his upbringing that yeah. led to him being superstar these DJ. morons. Yeah. And Oxycontin. Right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, hearing him talk, actually, you, he seems very lucid. Mm-hmm. And he, like, he seems to know where he stands and, you know, what his addiction, you know, how yeah. ba- the severity of it. But it just seems like he just didn't care. And he had the outreach programs. Yeah. Yeah. Making an effort to help people get off drugs. Yeah. Yeah. In that clip, he seemed very confident and, like, well put together. I would never guess that he was on crack. 
Yeah, not at all. No. No way. Well, when did he start the crack back up? Was it how long before his death? All the reports I've seen that it's it's around the time of the uh, the Atlantic City show, mm-hmm. <laughs> around August of 2009. So, so like uh, a month before he died. Just like a few weeks. Yeah. If that. So in that clip, he was sober. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Makes I, sense. Yeah, he wasn't scratching himself yeah. or asking to use the bathroom. But I think this documentary he did with MTV, it reminded him of like being a youth and just being a drug addict like right. that. And you kind of, some people like, oh, you know, that was rough, you know, those years, you know, when I was a drug addict. Some people look back and like, that was like such a fun time as like a kid. Yeah. Because you look back, because it's also your youth, but you're also on drugs. Yeah. And you just, and it's also the time where he got really good at music on mm-hmm. these drugs and stuff. Yep. So maybe there's like a nostalgia element to it. Yeah. And he sees like people, the ease of going to find a crack pipe or just trying to find crack. And he's like, boom, he's put right back into those shoes of being a young kid finding drugs on the street. Mm. And he can't fight it at that point. That feeling of, yeah. Oh, man. Wouldn't it be nice to get high? I mean, you think he dodged a bullet with that plane and those people died and he should have died. And he's like, you know, fuck, I'm, I got nine lives. Maybe I'll try it again. You know, roll the dice. And just because it was the number one movie, I'm going to make the connection. In some ways, it's like Final Destination. He thinks the like, okay, Final Destination. Here we go. I survived the <laughs> plane crash. Yeah, so I can survive all these drugs too. Mm. And we're Devin Sawa again. But and, and like we're in Fanatic, like in the movie Final Destination, it caught up with him. Wait, in the movie Final Destination, doesn't Devin Sawa live? Well, the whole premise, though, is that they were meant to die on that plane so that they all die in random ways after that. Uh, Okay. I think he gets killed off in the series, though. Devin Sawa. Not in the first one, though. No. So Travis Barker is the Devin Sawa. Oh, God. (laughs) If everyone's keeping track at home. Kyle, it's very... It's what's the word I'm looking for? Um, in flagrante, no. <laughs> it is not okay to laugh right now. No, and make yeah. a joke of this. Not. This is not the moment. Uh, we have a clip of Travis Barker's last memory with DJ AM. Oh, let's check if it out. If you could say anything to DJ AM right now, what would you say? You know, the, the, the crazy thing is, one of the last things he said to me was, uh, it was after a show, we had just played Coachella. We were playing our residency in Vegas. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this guy had 12 years sober under his belt. Mm. He's one of the reasons I got sober. And um, he was just one of those people that were in your life that just made you want to be a better person. So mm-hmm. I didn't really, you know, anytime he was negative, I didn't really think much because I just knew how strong he was. And I knew he had he had 12 years under his belt. But one of the last things he said to me was, you know, I feel like doing a bunch of drugs and saying, Wow. Doing a bunch of drugs and saying fuck it. Yeah. And that's like <laughs> Charles Rocket telling his friend, I think I'm going to commit suicide. And they both laughed. <laughs> right. Like, you don't, you don't know what to do. Yeah. Like, what are you going to do, really, if you're Travis Barker in that yeah. scenario? Yeah. Tell people maybe he, maybe he did. And that's why people kind of knew there was something going on anyway. Yeah. It's definitely fuck it. <laughs> well, I, I think fuck it is. Uh, was the ending in general? Yeah, was fuck it. That's the ending for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they they don't really say it. There's no note that says fuck it, but like you know, <laughs> they kind of gave up at the end. They didn't really care. And maybe with DJ Am, I wonder if he like did all this work and all this trying to become this superstar, hoping 
for that thing that you think is going to fill that void in you and it never does and everyone talks about that that gets into show business mm-hmm. in the arts and stuff it's that big void that you really think you know getting to this level of success is going to fill and at no point does that ever work out. No. That's so scary. <laughs> <laughs> and we're like... We're trying. But for us, though, it's got to be different. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <Yeah>. God. <laughs> I'd like to think I would just buy like a lot of cool technology yeah. and play fun games. Yeah. <laughs> buy a lot of Bitcoin and save the children. Yeah. yeah. That's right. And there was an official documentary made about DJ AM called As I Am released in 2016 Mm. and i thought of it the other day i wanted to watch it and i'm looking it up amazon and said oh this title's not available right now Mm. everywhere this title's not available right now and then i get a link that says fandango bought it or something and Hmm. you can watch it on voodoo how does fandango have any money yeah so then i'm like okay i think i have a voodoo account that's the walmart owned uh netflix competitor it's It's awful competitor at all (laughs) so i do the forget password thing and i sign into the account i made once years ago for some reason (laughs) so i'm like all right maybe i'll pay for this stupid documentary yeah and then now voodoo's telling me i can just watch the trailer it's not even giving me the option to buy it or rent it and so then i'm just looking anywhere for anything about it and i could not find a single way to watch this movie it's not available anywhere well, if anybody out there can find this lost media for us, send so, it over. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was even a Reddit post about how do I watch the DJ AM movie? Oh, wow. So, so they, they made the effort to make this movie and promote it at the time. And there's a trailer on YouTube and stuff. Same thing with the Ted Demi one. There's just sometimes there, there's no right. streaming service that they'll air like the worst things you've ever seen in your mm-hmm. life, <laughs> but not like stuff like that's interesting that anyone would want to see. You're right. It was the same situation with that. They'll uh, air like movies that are made on cell phones that like that are like rom-coms or something it's just like not this it just surprises me that the people that made it the people behind it would allow it to get to that point wouldn't you want your movie to be seen or somehow? just create a website or something where you can just distribute yeah. it there yeah mm. even for guess. free at some point is better than not existing anywhere that's true. Yeah. God I damn it. I want to see the movie. <laughs> Please let Alejandro see the movie. Remember uh, the Hurley Heat Boy? Let with the boy the... walk your dog. Let the boy give your grandma a bath. <laughs> He's For a good God guy. Sakes. He's already walking your dog. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> the Hurley Heat Boy. Hey, hey, can I be a... Can I, uh... <laughs> Wash your grandma's feet. Yeah. Let the boy wash your grandma's feet. For God's sake. <laughs> For all that's holy. <laughs> wow. Is there any way on the way out we can play the DJ AM tribute? Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, do you want the tribute or the live uh, set? I like the tribute better, actually. Okay. I think there was more love put in the tribute. That's going to play us out? I thought so. So then why don't we take care of a little business before that? Oh, well, sorry. What business? Sorry. Like, you know, follow us on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Please follow us on uh, Instagram at uh, Death and Entertainment. And on Twitter at DiePod2021. Still working on making that 2022, but I don't want to keep changing (laughs) every year. So for now, DiePod2021. And that's it, I think. TikTok? YouTube.
YouTube. Oh, we're on YouTube. <laughs> we're YouTube at Death and Entertainment. Of course on YouTube. This is like our biggest uh, thing. Going. I know. Yeah. And we love your comments. We love your views. We love your thumbs up. We love the banter. Yeah. Even the bad stuff. Yeah, yeah. Even the stuff that calls us evil. And yeah, random <laughs> religious stuff that just says, vaguely just calls us the devil or something. We'll take it. <laughs> Anything you got, subscribe, like, share, listen on Audible. My mother said to tell everybody because there's only one rating on it, and it's her. <laughs> <laughs> and that's wrong because there should be more. I didn't even know we were on Audible. Yeah, I just found out. So. And email us at deathandentertainment at gmail.com. Why yep. not? Yeah. And as always, thanks for listening. Yeah, Thank thanks guys. for listening. We Welcome love. back. We love yous. Peace. What's your name? DJ Jimmy Stewart. Where you from, fool? The Bay Area. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm your DJ. Man, I'll